Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another groundbreaking episode of Ed Up Career School's The Scoop with your host, Kathy Belletti. Now, today is going to be a very interesting topic because it is all about AI. And you know what? There's so many opposing opinions on this topic. So you know that I had to bring on an expert, right? <laughs> so with us today, we have Miss Neka McGee. She is the Chief Academic Officer with San Benito CISD, which is Consolidated Independent School District. Hey, Neka. Hi, how are you? I am no good. Great house. How are you? <laughs> Where are you located, Neka? So San Benito is actually located in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, and so the school... Technical difficulties. I lost Brownsville you. near the tip of Texas. I'm back. I'm okay. sorry. Does that mess you up? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't it, know what happened. Life, it, it happens. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So repeat what you just said. Um, San Benito CISD. We're located in the Rio Grande Valley, which is um, near Brownsville in the southern tip of Texas. Got it. Okay. All right. Awesome. So what I'm going to do, the first question I always ask everyone because people's responses are always random. Okay. So how did your journey start in education? Talk to us. Well, thank you so much for that introductory question. And thank you for allowing me to, you know, speak to your audience today Absolutely. as a part of your show. I'm, I'm so excited. Um, in terms of my journey in education, I have to start with my parents. Well, both my parents were educators and actually uh, mathematicians. And in bet between them both, they have 70 years of experience. Um, I like to um, always tell the story. So I've only seen my dad cry one time and I'll give a little bit of background. So I went to college in Louisiana and my dad would come and pick me up and he's actually there. My family's from Mississippi. So he would drive me to Mississippi. And one time we went in a different direction and I was like, where are we going? And he actually took me to see his math teacher um, that taught him. And so Interestingly, I, I was in another career path. I started teaching. After three years, I was nominated as a district finalist for Teacher of the Year. And so I had to tell that story right. because I ended up teaching mathematics Get out. myself. And so it was kind of full circle. So who knew that that journey, you know, into the deep woods of Texas to visit a math teacher would uh, lead to me one day um, teaching mathematics. And um, like I said, the only time I've seen my dad cry. So I like to um, tell that story because every pathway is different, as you Absolutely. mentioned. And um, even when I talk to students, you know, your your what you believe and and how you believe it and your experiences aren't going to always guide you on a straight and narrow path. Yes. Your path may be zigzag, it may be wiggly, mm -hmm. and and that's okay. We end up being where we're supposed to be at the time we're supposed to be there. Absolutely. I love that. You know, it's funny because thinking back, I've already seen my dad cry one time also, but, you know, being from the West Indies, that's just how men are raised that, you know, I'm originally from Barbados. So it's like, you need to toughen up. Okay. So, yes. I, totally get it. I love that story. That is so touching. And I could uh, probably believe that every single time you walk into a classroom, it's like you see a dad right here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, um, Nika, explain more in detail. Like, what do you do and how do you help your students? So as chief academic officer, um, I support just over 9,000 campuses in the district. And I'm responsible for my team because it's not just me. You know, I have an a awesome team of individuals from, you know, directors all the way down to our teachers who are at the forefront. And I even want to include, you know, with that, you would be amazed. I always talk about every every essential personnel is a part of that team. The custodial mm -hmm. staff, the CMP that's making sure, because if our kids aren't fed, <laughs> you're not led, right? They're, they're moving <laughs> in the wrong direction. Uh -huh. And so each part of that is essential. But at its heart, what we do is ensure that the curriculum and the instructional resources and the instructional programming that is provided to students helps them achieve optimal outcomes. Um, and, and that's, it may be different for each student, mm -hmm. but that's okay. As long as success is the ultimate goal based on where they are and where they need to go. Absolutely. And you're working with K through 12, correct? Pre-K through 12. Yes. Pre-K through 12. There you mm -hmm. go. And that's so important because guess what? Those are the students who are the next generation who end up going to traditional or career schools, right? So we have to make sure that we're training them right from the very beginning. And I know one term that you hold dear to your heart is choice education. Yes. Okay. And I look, everyone has a different uh, you know, perspective when it comes to that term. I have my own too, but I'm really curious to hear from your perspective. When you think of choice education, what do you mean by that? So choice to me means that parents and students have the opportunity within an educational ecosystem, whether that be public, whether that be private, whether that be charter or any of the other type, like now even a homeschool, that they have a variety of choice. And in the district where I initially started my educational career, they had choice programs. You might also hear them as magnet schools as well. Mm -hmm. And what I found as I transitioned into district leadership is that families were seeking choice. So, you know, in districts such as the one I, I started in Dallas, you know, it was a large district, but they were losing enrollment. But then as parents were like, OK, here's this option within our school district that allows me to get what I want my kids to have that may be different from the other schools. Mm -hmm. And so if the goal is that we want to, and, and what I found as well, excuse me, is that families, particularly in the districts that I serve, they want to be a part of their community and their community yeah. schools. But if the, the district doesn't provide options, then they're, they have no choice. They feel like a family feels like, okay, I have to go elsewhere. And so my goal has been, as I've transitioned into district leadership, a superintendent gave me um, the opportunity to create a choice school and it stabilized enrollment. People who said, you know, once I'm in this community, I want to stay in the community. Here's an option for me now to stay within my school community. And so because of that, in district, different districts that I've been in, I've been an advocate of choice education in that way. Let's provide the choices within our ecosystem, public schools, mm -hmm. that students can uh, and families feel like, hey, this is for me. And I'll give you um, just a really um, stark example of uh, my current district. We actually have still one of the few in Texas that are able to operate virtual um, schools um, beyond the pandemic. Hi. And not virtual school is not for everyone. But 
we did a community survey and parents, some of the parents were like, hey, we need virtual school. And so we have a virtual school. We've This is its second year. They, um, in many of the subject areas that we're tested on, regardless if you believe in testing or not, that's mm -hmm. what we're judged on. It not only scores highest in the district, but also um, exceeds the state average. Think of those families. They, these are families that if they didn't have the choice within our district mm -hmm. to be in the district, there are other um, schools that have virtual options. Those are the districts they would have gone to. They wouldn't have stayed in our district. Yeah. So yeah. now they're able to because they're able to um, participate in curricular activities if they choose. They're part of, you know, different events that we have. Now we've cr created and promoted that community. And that's what choice means to me. Interesting. OK, that was loaded. Right. And <laughs> the reason why I love it is because uh, I have a three year old and we recently just moved from a different district also. Right. We were originally in Dutchess County. We just moved over to Orange because the resources for my son were limited to absolutely none. Right. But now we move over to this district is way bigger. But then you have so many instructors that are just leaving and they're like, yeah, I'm over education. Right. Mm -hmm. So now it comes to the point where my son is still not in school. He has multiple therapies still on waiting list. Right. And now I'm starting to think to myself, you know what, maybe homeschooling may be a good option for him. I think sometimes when it comes to this topic, some parents may feel well, if my kid is homeschooled, does that mean he's going to be delayed because he's not going to get that social interaction? But then also what I noticed with my son is when he's around other people, he acts up. But then when he's with me, all of a sudden he's like, OK, he falls <laughs> into line and the therapists are like, he refuses to do that with me when he's in the classroom. So it's kind of like this. You never know which direction to go. But I love that now parents have that option and different opportunities to say, it doesn't only have to be one way because we also have to cater to all different types of learners too. We do. And think about if you did choose to homeschool your child, mm -hmm. if your district within the public realm of um, different op um, obligations that communities mm -hmm. have, is it's like, yes, I homeschool, but I'm still able to, as a, as a parent, get the support from my district of say, these are the best resources. This is how um, you can best support your child so there aren't any delays. Mm -hmm. Here are ways that you can socialize with other kids if you have that choice, but yet you're still able to homeschool. Or if there are subjects as kids get older, another mm -hmm. option that's coming up are learning pods where there's small groups of kids and families are coming together and they're paying or you know there are different more private options that have these learning pods where kids come together for different subject areas. I believe that's okay. I've, I've stated yeah. the, the traditional models of education are dying and Absolutely. we can either catch up or, or we can, you know, die on the vine. Our kids generally, we have it right now, like we can make the best decisions. Yeah. We don't want to look back and say, you know, uh oh, we missed that boat. <laughs> um, there's no reason. And so the districts that um, traditionally I've been in, my first district is very large, but I was teaching. But in district administration, they've been smaller districts. And so it's mm -hmm. always been exciting to me. And many of them, you know, 80 to 90 percent low economic status, you know, just students in need. And so it's been exciting to offer choices, to offer access that opportunity, to let our kids know you can achieve the same thing all kids can achieve. 
and we're going to support you. And, and for the families, we're going to support you. And it's been exciting to be a part of that and to work with teams who are supportive and excited about the work as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes me feel better as a parent, too. <laughs> so thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> when you also fast forward, you know, past pre-K, you know, to sixth grade uh, and grade school. Listen, when you get into college, right, it's mm -hmm. the same exact thing when it comes to choice education. We already know that back in the day, it was all about two and four year universities. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the career and trade schools couldn't even get into the elementary schools to talk to the guidance counselors because it's like, I'm sorry, what kind of school you're from? Yeah, we don't have a slot right now because they were mm -hmm. only promoting traditional education. But mm -hmm. I think even now parents are becoming open to the idea like, well, you know what, if the college is not really going to be for my kid, right? But then also based on the type of career paths that they want to take, sometimes you may not have to go that route anyway. So having mm -hmm. the choice to say, well, there's a lot of career and trade schools out there where you can go in, get out into the field much faster, learn the skills that you need. It starts from the very beginning, but now it's trickling up. We're mm -hmm. towards, you know, college and beyond. So I love that. Well, let's talk about AI. Okay. Because when we talk about artificial intelligence, right, <laughs> we have two sides here. You have some people who are like, you know what, bring it. Let's work for me. Yes. <laughs> right? But then you have other people, especially when it comes to education, they're like, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure about that. I'm not really sure how far we should go when it comes to AI. So talk to me about what have you seen implemented in classrooms so far when it comes to AI? Mm -hmm. So in classrooms so far, it depends on the grade level, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen or experienced or observed in the secondary, particularly high schools, there's more of an openness to introduce uh, AI into classroom, in particular um, English uh, classrooms for essays or showing like an essay that may have been generated by AI and students are editing it. Um, obviously there was that fear, like students, you know, will they cheat? Will they do those things? Kids, uh, particularly secondary and college, we uh, did a summit last year and there was a college student on one of our panels and she was like, Hey, we're using it. So how do we, do we hide it from our kids? Or do we say, these are the ways you can use it effectively and use it as part of your educational, similar to a calculator, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so in the lower grades, there's, um, fewer opportunities for um, students, particularly, and there are several reasons. There are, um, with the terms of service, and depending on the district, you may have districts that have blocked. I will tell you that in our district, I, you know, did make the decision to um, block uh, ChatGPT at first. It had nothing to do with cheating and plagiarism and everything to do with the fact that at that time, it was only for 18 years or older, and now it's 13 years or older. So we have to be uh, in particular, but there are some hands-on activities that we've shown that these are ways that you can introduce AI, um, and that's on the student-facing end, and that's where mm -hmm. some of that work needs to be. On the teacher-facing end, they're definitely using um, different forms of generative AI for creating lessons, for creating um, test items or you know questions for um, tests. Um, I've seen and heard of you know, for lesson planning, unit plans, even for uh, IEPs, once they take out any, you know, personal, mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, personal identifiable information. So those are some ways which I've seen it used in the classroom and from our teachers using uh, artificial intelligence. 
Interesting. So what would you say are the areas of focus, you know, when introducing and implementing AI in classrooms? So what what I've done is the first part is, is when I've talked with teachers, mm -hmm. I always ask like, well, what do you think? And, and even to this day, the majority of teachers will indicate fear as the initial feeling when it mm -hmm. comes to AI. And so my goal and what I promote when I'm talking to others is that first we need to inform teachers that AI has been in their classroom for years. We're talking about generative AI, but in terms of how we use AI, not only in our classrooms, but in the society as a whole. So the first thing uh, after I talk to them, get their initial um, kind of feeling about AI, usually through a word cloud, and I'll actually use a program. Um, there's one called CuriePod that I love that do, does great word clouds. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, well, okay, hold up your phone. Well, have you, has it given you a recommendation today? Have you used your map, you know, to get anywhere today? Okay, that's AI. How long has that been around? And then I say, well, how many of you, I ask them, show up here, how many of you use AI in your classrooms? And even through December, I asked, and a majority of teachers are still not using AI. And so I said, Rach, well, they think they're not. And so, um, so it'll be a smattering of hands. And then I'll say, okay, so how many of you use Canva? That's the first thing I ask, and the hands shoot up. <laughs> you're using AI. They're like, what? <laughs> yes, you're AI components. Then I talk about the other ways that AI is used. Like, for example, there's a test um, that's used in, in a large number of school districts called NWA Map. And so I say, how many of you have used Map in your districts? And you'll have hands. How many of you use translation services or have used translation oh, services? Man. How many of you use editing services in your classroom? And so Every time there has been, aha, there's never been, and I've done plenty of presentations where people haven't been like, okay, I'm using AI. Now, what can I do? So that's what I feel has to be the starting point. You have to ensure that that the fear is real, right? When mm -hmm. chat, before chat GPT, and I've been, you know, doing this for a, a little while with AI, before then, the general population wasn't thinking about AI and how it's impacted our society. Yeah. And then when AI came out in terms of generative AI through chat GPT, it was like doom and gloom. And so in, in the connection that they make is the Terminator, the iRobot robot coming to get them and coming after the job. <laughs> and so my, you know, the goal is, okay, it's here. Uh -huh. You've been using it. And now how can you leverage the AI that you use to positively impact students because mm -hmm. their world is going to be driven by AI and automation. And we have to prepare them for that future. Yeah. And that, but then they're much more open when mm -hmm. they take away some of that fear through familiarity. I love it. It's about getting the buy-in. And I think sometimes the way things are introduced, it does create fear. You know, mm -hmm. when AI first came on the block, right? Everyone was thinking of, all right, your job is going to be replaced. Okay. AI is going to take over. No one is going to be employed. They're coming in as robots and they're taking over the world. Of course, anybody, when you talk about AI, a wall is going to go up and they're going to say, I'm not for it because that's yep. what they're thinking in their mind. I was one of those people too. You know, but then the way you break it down, when you really think of all the many things that you use that are AI driven, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't even realize that that was a form 
of AI and really and truly, I mean, Chat GPT is my friend. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. I use Chat GPT all of the time. I am so glad you know? it is available to me. <laughs> how do you think? How far do you think schools should go, though, when it comes to implementing AI? I think that school should go as far as the technology will mm -hmm. allow if things are in place. Like right now, the other thing that, that I kind of promote and advocate for is for people to just breathe deep. AI is here. It's not going anywhere. And it's okay if we take time. There's a big push like you have, but that's what we've always done. Here's the push. Do it, do it, do it. You're going to miss yeah. out. You're gonna... It's okay to breathe and say, how can we do this? and ensure that our students are protected mm -hmm. and that they learn how to use AI effectively as a tool in society, whether it's similar as a calculator, similar as we use cars, similar as we use our cell phones, mm -hmm. and many of the other things we use in our society, AI has to have that same kind of meaning for us and for our students. And so that's um, what I think is important uh, as we move forward in this space. Yeah. What about challenges? Because uh, I think that anything that's created, right, once it gets into the wrong hands, this is where it just becomes a really bad story. <laughs> you know, so when it comes to AI, are there any challenges that you yourself think can come along? Well, I mean, the biggest challenge, of course, is access and opportunity when it comes to education. Um, we don't want to create a world of AI haves and have nots due to the fact, whether it be monetary, whether it be because we haven't set appropriate policies mm -hmm. or addressed AI literacy or the privacy implications for our students. Again, and this saying has been out there, you may not lose your job to AI, but you may lose your job to someone who knows how to use AI. So we can't mm. totally ban it. We can't. And that didn't come from me. I wish I could quote it, you know, <laughs> give, give, um, you know, attribution correctly, but I, I don't uh -huh. know who said it. I just know it's out there. But that that that's the the great challenge, right? Beyond the other, you know, obviously, if we don't implement it correctly and don't um inform our students or instruct our students on how to do it correctly. All of the things that are bad about AI are going to be amplified, just like all the other things in our society has been. It's a pattern that that mm -hmm. will continue to manifest. And But what what changes that? What is the great equalizer in our society? Education. Yeah. The same thing applies to the AI. If you're educated on it, you're going to be able to understand the dangers or be aware of the dangers and be informed of those mm -hmm. dangers and be able to take action when they arise. So that's, you know, going back to just taking a step back, really be mm -hmm. intentional in, in school districts or privately or families about how to implement AI, how to use AI, and how to inform the appropriate um, use of AI. Absolutely. I've heard this question a lot from random people, but do you think that uh, AI can ever replace a teacher in the classroom? No, I don't. I think, um, and so let me give you an analogy because I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you used self-checkout? Yes. I love self-checkout, right? Mm -hmm. Many people love self-checkout. I'll never forget the first time I went into this, a store not so too long ago and the whole store was self-checkout. 
And I was like, wow, <laughs> guess what? Many of stores are starting to pull back on their self-checkout lanes. What are you starting to see? You're starting to see more humans, right? More yep. people checking out. Because even though some people, and it goes back to our original, one of the initial questions about choice, right? Mm -hmm. If we stop allowing the choice, that's <laughs> that's the big issue. Some people need that human touch and, yep. and they thrive off. And us as humanity, we need the human touch. Mm -hmm. But that's when I think when people say, well, AI is going to replace teachers, I, I look at that and say, no. They may think it's going to replace teachers and there may be there is an actual school out there that does AI. But even the school that says, hey, there's going to be AI for two hours a day training your kid. After that, they're meeting with teachers that they call facilitators to work on project based learning and to do those items. So there's still that human touch point. So, no, I think actually what AI is doing is it's allowing us to embrace our humanity to mm -hmm. make us have a greater understanding of the importance of humanity and the importance for us communicating and connecting with each other. And isn't that amazing to be in a time such as this where we're reminded of it because so much of our society kind of removes that humanity away from us. Mm -hmm. I love that you say that. Thank you very much because I have never believed that a robot, sorry, or AI can replace a human being. Bottom line, I know there's so many people out there who's like, no, you can program it, you know, to show emotions. It's not the same. Okay, it's not the same. Nobody can really replace what God created. Just saying. <laughs> All right. So oh, definitely, definitely. I, mean, I, I just I agree with you 100 percent. Awesome. So <laughs> let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. If you were to look back at yourself as a little girl, what would you tell yourself to be aware of or watch out for? When it comes to artificial intelligence? No, or in general. Period. If you're giving yourself as a child, you know, um, let's say, not in, not an opinion, but if you are giving yourself, uh, you're coaching yourself as a little girl who's about to go out into the world, right? And you're picturing yourself 10 years or as an adult and you're saying, this is what I need you to watch out for. You're giving yourself advice. This is what I need you to watch out for. Avoid this or avoid these type of people. What would you say? Well, the first thing I would tell myself is that, you know, it's okay not to be perfect all of the time. I still, you know, I used to think I had to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, that it was done. But it's it's okay not to be perfect because if you have passion, it'll all work out. So that's the first thing I would tell myself. Um, being uh, cautious of doubters. And sometimes mm -hmm. those doubters will be very close to you. So it's essential to believe in yourself, believe in the things that you do and understand that if someone is doubting you, it is not personal to you. What you bring to the table are the essence of your being. It is an issue with what they have going on in their lives. And lastly, I would tell myself to always presume positive intent in, this, in the way of this. We do not know what is going on in people's lives and the attitude that someone brings to the table, it may be that they are having a day that you cannot imagine. And so it is okay. We, you know, um, there was a time it's like, focus on what you can control is the best go. advice I've ever received in my life. And go. we cannot control how someone acts, what they bring to the table. All we can control is our reaction and how we treat people. And so I will also tell myself that as well. 
I love that so much. It was so genuine. And you know what? That advice is for a lot of adults today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everything does not warrant a response. And a lot of times when I'm training advisors, you know, they get really upset at students who come off of who come off to them as very disrespectful. And I'm like, you don't have to respond to that because you have no idea what that student was going through before they got on the line with you. Yes. You know, based on your response, you can determine which direction this student is going to go to, you know, so you also have to be aware of what you're doing, how you respond to people, because I, I always love this saying, sometimes you're the only Bible that people read for the day. Wow, <laughs> that's deep. You know? So it's like, yes. like, sometimes you really have to take a step back and be aware of what you can control, which is this, okay, yes. and pray for that. <laughs> Yes, definitely. I'm about to give you a shout out. So first off, um, you have been selected as a panelist at Teach for America's School Leaders of Color Conference in Denver to discuss how to make AI work for schools. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's very, um, I'm humbled and honored to mm -hmm. uh, be a part of just an extinct event. And I'm um, you know, excited about talking about AI with other distinguished panelists as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, congratulations once again. Do you have any final thoughts for our audience before we go, Nika? <laughs> well, I will say this. And so, and I'm probably going to say it wrong because my Latin is bad, but <laughs> it's your thing. Yeah. You know. But for those who are interested in AI, no matter where you are in your life, I will say that because you're getting hit, you might see things on social media, these 10,000 apps you can use to, you know, make your life better. And so what I tell people is the saying is omni trium perfectum. And basically it is the rule of three. Do not get overwhelmed. Think of three things that you are interested in or excited about or passionate about and find three tools that speak to that and play with those tools, observe those tools. And then that way you will not get overwhelmed or think I can't do because the other side of AI is not the pressure of it, but just being overwhelmed by so yeah. much choice. And so I say the rule of three, choose three and have fun. But at the same time, let's get prepared for the future of education and let's make sure our kids are able to navigate a world that is dominated by AI and automation so they can have the success that we've all had the chance to have in our lives. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Neka. It has been such a pleasure. I hope that you guys took notes. And for <laughs> those of you who were really uncomfortable, I hope she was able to bring some comfort to you. You've been using it all along. It's just how you use it. Educate yourself. <laughs> all right. So until yes. next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.